want to talk to you for a second about expectations this morning. Um, expectations. Uh, I looked it up. The definition of an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen. It's a, it's it's more than just like a thought or a guess or a it's it's a it's a confidence. Not only that something can take place, but it will take place. It's it's an expectation. And and what happens when expectations aren't met? You know, a lot of times it leads to disappointment. It can lead to disappointment in ourselves, not just other people, but in ourselves that that we didn't live up to our expectations. It might lead to disappointment in other people. In fact, most conflict in life, in relationships, whether you're talking about friends or a marriage or anything, most conflicts are due to unmet expectations. The other person just simply didn't do what you thought they were going to do, what you expected them to do. Might not have been wrong. It just wasn't what you were expected. They didn't live up to your expectations, and conflict arises. One reason that expectations are so important is because they, they shape our behaviors. We do things based on our expectations. You know, I'm, I've got two or three customers that I have to talk to this afternoon. I expect that I'm going to get an order from them for tomorrow. So because of that, I'm going to do certain things. I'm going to make sure I have my cell phone with me. I'm going to make sure that my laptop's close by. I'm going to do things because of my expectation of what they're going to do. And I've, I mean, I had a situation about six months ago where a customer who always orders for Thursday delivery didn't call me. So I'm calling him, I'm calling him, texting him, no response, nothing. My behavior was totally driven by my expectation of him. And I found out a couple of days later that something had happened and he had closed. I mean, he was shut down. But my behavior didn't change because my behavior was based on this expectation, this thought about what was supposed to happen, even though in that case, it was impossible to happen. But it's not just our behaviors. Our expectations affect our vision, what we see. You know, I mean, I'm sure all of us have had experiences where maybe we were at the ballpark or at the grocery store or anywhere. We run into somebody that every time we've seen them in the past, maybe they're wearing their work uniform. Maybe they're maybe we only know them from church so when we see them at at the ballpark they're dressed differently and just the fact that they're dressed differently just the fact that that she's always wearing a cap but today she's not we won't recognize them because our expectation is that that this always looks like this and we won't even see it Somebody that we've known for years, we won't even recognize until they speak because they don't meet our expectation. Our behaviors and our vision are driven by our expectations. Proverbs 29, 18 uh, 
pretty familiar scripture. It says that where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This is a verse that deals completely with vision and behavior. Where there is no vision, the ESV says where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no God-ordained, laid-out-before-us vision of where we're going, the people perish or the people cast off restraint. Because we don't see where we're going, we don't have any boundaries. We do whatever we want to do, but he that keeps the law, but he that has the vision and his behavior lines up with the vision, happy is he. We've got to have right vision, right behavior, and that comes out of having right expectations. So I have a question for you this morning. What do you expect out of life? What does success look like to you? What does the next 10 years look like? Or 20 years, or 30 years, or 40 years? What what do you expect? And I don't want to I don't want to suggest anything because it's personal. Every one of us have have different things that we think about, different places that we go when we project out in our minds about our expectations for our lives. You know, Dusty talked last week about clearing runways so that God can land something in our lives, that there's something that once we're ready, God's going God's gonna to bring something to us. And, and, and my thought this morning is just simply, what's that going to look like? What's that thing that God wants to land going to look like in your life? Because the, the, the good thing about expectations is that they can change. And a lot of times, they change quickly. We, we'll go through something, we'll experience something that we weren't expecting, and suddenly, everything changes. What we thought was important isn't important anymore. Where we thought we were going, we're not going anymore. And that's, that's what I want us to think about this morning. Now, I've got a little story I want to tell you. Uh, it, it is a completely true story, but it's not from the Bible. But I think it will help to illustrate how quickly our expectations can change. Um, back in 1936, there was a 17-year-old kid uh, from Van Meter, Iowa, who signed a baseball contract to be a major league pitcher. His name was Bob Feller. And he, he signed with the Cleveland Indians. Go Tribe. Um, he had a fastball that was just unbelievable. I mean, at, at, as a high school junior, he signed a contract to play in the big leagues. His first major league start, he struck out 15 batters. 15. In April of 1937, the following year, he was featured on the cover of Time magazine. When he graduated high school two months later, NBC Radio carried his high school graduation live nationwide. I read a quote this week that said that Bob Feller was the most famous young person in America 
with the possible exception of Shirley Temple. So you've probably heard of Shirley Temple. You might not have heard about Bob Feller. In 1938, he struck out 18 batters in one game, set a major league record that would stand for over 30 years. In 1940, he threw on opening day a no-hitter. In the history of baseball, it's the only no-hitter that's ever been thrown on opening day, a, a history that goes back into the 1800s. What I'm trying to, to show you is that Bob Feller was special. He was a uniquely gifted and talented athlete. Ted Williams said that Bob Feller was the greatest pitcher that he ever faced. That, that when he knew that he was going to face Bob Feller, that for two or three days before the game, he would start getting nervous and just thinking about it because he knew it was going to be a battle. Bob Feller was special. And, and I think for most people, it was obvious what Bob Feller was going to do with his life. But in December of 1941, Bob Feller had gone to Des Moines to visit his father who had brain cancer. It was terminal cancer. He, he obviously didn't know it at the time, but his father had only about a year left to live. And as Bob Feller was driving back to Chicago to sign a contract with the Indians for the 1942 season, he heard on the radio that the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor and that the United States was being drawn in to the conflict in Europe. So with a, a father who was dying of terminal brain cancer, with what would have been a very lucrative professional baseball career, Bob Feller did the only thing that to him made sense. He joined the Navy. He, he had gotten a higher call. He had seen something that had changed his outlook. He wanted to be a fighter pilot. He actually told the recruiting officer, I don't want to just go overseas and play charity baseball games and hand out autographs. I want to go to combat. He, he wanted to serve. Unfortunately, he failed his hearing test, so he couldn't be a pilot. But he ended up being a, um, a gun captain on the USS Alabama. That was where he served in World War II. You see, when everything that was important to him, once he got that vision, once that, that higher calling came in, all that other stuff, everything that was, that was all that his life was about changed. It went away. Yeah, he was still concerned with his father. Yes, he was still desiring to be a baseball player. But he knew he had to sacrifice. He, he knew that his direction was, was somewhere else. So, you know, Dusty talked last week about looking up in the Spirit and seeing what God is doing, what he's looking to land, finding, finding a, 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 a place, a person who is working and who is ready for that. And I just want to talk for a couple of minutes this morning about what our expectations are of what that thing is going to be. Bob Feller didn't expect to, to two days later 
be enlisted in the Navy? What, what are you expecting when you look up? Based on your, your successes and failures and your circumstances and everywhere you've been, what is it you expect to see? You know, something I thought about this week is, is that a lot of us are, are looking for a helicopter. You know, we, we look up and we look around us and we think, God, there is no way that you could possibly intend for me to build a runway right here. With all my mistakes, all my, if I would have, if I could have, I should have done this. I would be somewhere else. I'm supposed to be over there. God, I need you to come and get me and take me where I'm supposed to be and sit me down and I'll build a runway but I'm not going to do anything here because surely this isn't where you intend me to start. In Isaiah 46, verse 8, it says, Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else like me. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. You see, it should bring a, a relief to us to know that, that God knew the end from the beginning and that, that whatever boneheaded things you've done, however you got where you got to, God already knew you were going to be there. So when he said, I'm, I need you to build a runway, I need you to clear out this area, clear out the area. Make the runway. I just want to read this because I think, I really truly believe this is a word for somebody besides just me this week. Stop looking for a way out of your circumstances and start looking for God in your circumstances. Stop trying to find a way to get somewhere else and just look at what God is doing right where you are and join in. If you don't know what to do, then bring some wrenches and a screwdriver and put up a swing set on Wednesday night. It's a great place to start there. I mean, if, if you're not sure where your runway is, help somebody clear theirs. And maybe, maybe then God will show you what yours is. The second thing I think that we, we look for a lot of times is, a, is, is provision. That we're looking up, you know, we, we get our tools and we start clearing out our runway and we're getting ready and, and we're like, okay, the runway's done. God, God's just going to bring a plane down. The doors are going to pop open and we're going to have everything we need for the rest of our lives. No more worry. No more... No more faith needed. That's really what we're looking for. I mean, if, if we, we want to be so secure that we don't 
have to trust God for tomorrow's daily bread. And and God can do that. You know, he, he can. I think Dusty read it last week. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. See, God, God can do that. But the blessing comes after the sacrifice. Bring me the sacrifice of your offerings, of your tithes, and then see what I'll do. And the other thing that kind of catches us a little bit is that when God gives us something, um, a lot of times there's strings attached. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 8 through 12 in the Message Bible says, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. So God's generous to us for the purpose of us to be generous to other people. If, if, he, if he pours a plain load of provision into your life, he's doing it because he expects you to give it away. That's, that's, that's who God is. That's, that is the gospel message. And, you know, I think a lot of times some of us are looking... For a, I guess we're like Bob Feller. We want to be fighter pilots. We want that jet to land that we're going to hop into and we're going to fly around and, and take out all of God's enemies. Because we feel like we always know what's right. If we didn't think it was right, we wouldn't think that way, right? But the problem is that a lot of times we end up silencing the very people that God intended for us to save. See, God's going to fight the battle for us. The, the ministry that he gave us is something very different. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, it says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, 
and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. If you ever wondered what your purpose is, or at least a part of it, it's, it's right there. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, like for that end, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. See, that's, that's the, the ministry that God has placed us in. That's, that's our, our purpose. When, when, when we look up in the Spirit and we're trying to figure out what God's going to land in our lives, it's going to have something to do with reconciling people back to Him. Because that's, that's why we're here. That's, that's why God doesn't just take us out when He saves us. He leaves us here so that we can, can be used to help reconcile others. In Matthew chapter 28, some of Jesus' final words, he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. That's our ministry. That's, that's, that's what we do. I, I think that, that when we look up in the Spirit to try to figure out, to, to see what God wants to land in our lives, I think there's, when that plane lands and those doors open, I think there's three things that we can expect to see. We can expect provision because God will provide. That's a promise. That's a promise from God that he will provide what we need so that we can be generous to others. And there's going to be people on that plane because our ministry is reconciliation. And the third thing, and this is where it gets kind of ugly, is problems. There's going to be problems on that plane. There's going to be people who are hurting, who have needs, who who are stumbling around in the darkness and God wants us to be light to them. Over in Matthew 25, Jesus tells us about some of the people that we might expect to see. Uh, it's one of the few patch, passages in the Bible that talks about uh, the judgment, what we can, ex what we can expect. And it says that the king takes everybody. Everyone's gathered before the king, and he separates the sheep from the goats. And he speaks to the sheep. The king shall, shall say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison, and came unto thee. 
And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. See, God provides the provision and the people for us so that we can turn around and serve them, so that we can can meet their needs. But just as we read back in 2 Corinthians, we carry out this social relief work uh, that it, it involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor, poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgiving to God. You see, the, the gospel has to be at the center of whatever it is. It's not just uh, a good deed. It's, it's not just handing out a meal. We're, we're trying to share the gospel with these people. That's, that's God's mission. And that's why we should expect it to be our mission. And we, we have to trust God that he's, gonna, that he's going to supply our needs. In Matthew chapter 6, three times, Jesus tells us, don't take thought for your body. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. You know what worry is? Worry is a fantasy of failure. Who would do that? Who would sit around and fantasize about how everything is going bad? How everything is going to fall apart? Why would we do that? Why would we Why would we have a fantasy of failure? We need a higher calling. Jesus in, in chapter, Matthew 6:33 tells us to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness in all this stuff, all the things that we that we worry about, all the, the things that we're afraid we can't do or won't have or we don't know what the future holds and um, all of that stuff, Jesus promised us that it would all be added to us. We can, we can trust him. We can, we can enlist. We can join the battle and trust that no matter what we thought we should expect, that God's got something better if we'll follow him. You know, Bob Feller discharged in 1945. He served four years on the USS Alabama um, it's sitting down in Mobile Bay. If you're ever down there, it's it is it's the most impressive piece of machinery, I guess, that I've ever seen in my life. He returned to Cleveland a hero. Had a big parade for him. He he uh, signed a new contract. Went right back to uh, to being a major league pitcher. In 1946, he set the record for the most complete games in a season at 36, and, and that record still stands. It, I don't think anyone will ever break that record. That same year, he also threw the what was the fastest pitch in Major League Baseball at 107.6 miles an hour. Uh, that stood until 74 when Nolan Ryan threw one 108 miles an hour. He was... Uh, 
He won the World Series in 48. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Seek first the kingdom. Do what's, seek God's righteousness, and then all the other stuff will be added unto you. Bob Feller saw a higher calling, and he went and did something for his country, and then he came back and was able to do everything else. God, God wants you to be successful. God put desires and feelings in your heart that he, he intends to use. He gave you gifts and talents that, that he wants to bring him glory, but we should expect that that, that will only be maximized when we're pursuing him. If we're pursuing our gifts and our talents, then we might have some success. We won't have eternal success. But if we're pursuing God first, then he'll use those talents. He'll use those resources to to bring about his glory. There's one other thing I want to share with you. Um, During World War II, 95% 95% of the Major League Baseball players who were in uniform uh, on opening day, 1941, uh, they served in the, in the military. 90, 95%. I don't know if you can imagine 95% of our professional athletes all of a sudden suiting up. But because so many were serving, a lot of guys got a chance to play who, who didn't get a chance otherwise they wouldn't they would have never made it uh, one of those guys was a man by the name of Pete Gray and uh, I think we've got a little video this is Pete Gray played for the st. Louis Browns uh, 77 games uh, I don't know if you notice anything unique about him but uh, Pete Gray obviously only has one arm said it was his dream to play a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium. And in uh, 1945, he got to do that. He, he played professional baseball with one arm. He was actually one of three one-armed baseball players. Um, but he got a chance to play because guys who were able to go to war went to war. And my challenge for you this morning is just to consider those that are coming up behind you because there are people with less gifts less talents less resources than you have right now and unless you use what you have for God's glory to 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 his benefit those people might not get the chance you know, when, when, when Jesus told us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him, I think part of the reason that we have to follow behind him is so that that, that narrow road stays clear. So that the ones who are coming along behind us can still see that there is a path there. There, there is a way that they can live that's different. And, and, and I would hope that, that none of us would, would block the path. 
that that we wouldn't stand in the way of those who are who are coming behind us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, uh, just for this opportunity, God, for our church, uh, for the wonderful worship that we had this morning, um, and God, and for your word. Lord, we trust that it will not go out void, Father. I just pray that, that, that we would lay down our expectations. God, that we would, we would just seek you with our heart and with our mind, that we would pursue you with everything we have. God, we know that you are faithful. God, that you are faithful. That you'll see us through it, God. I pray for, for Dusty and Jesse this morning, God, that, that they would just, uh, just overflow with joy and peace and rest, God, that... Um, God, that their relationship will be renewed, Father, their faith, that it'll it'll just be a wonderful time for them. Uh, God, bless your people this week. Uh, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for all. In Jesus' name, amen.